are. You are every one of them and more. Thank you for revealing yourself to us. You have not revealed all of yourself because we could not even begin to contain or understand all of who you are. But we do know many things about you because you have been gracious enough to reveal yourself to us. Thank you for sending Jesus to help us to understand you even more. Thank you for your grace and your mercy to us as he gave his life for us that we might have eternal life and be able to live victoriously today and to please you. Now, Lord, we just continue to worship you now as we give you of our tithes and offerings. We ask you to just multiply them and give wisdom that they may be used to cause your kingdom to be expanded. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. A little side to that, okay? Um, when it when it comes to um, to praying for the sick and, and so forth, I'm uh, and I believe I believe God can do whatever he whatever he w wants to do and whatever he he'll speak to us and let us know. There are two times, um, maybe three, that I remember where I, when I prayed, I personally sensed that God had touched. One time was years ago, a young girl uh, came up to, the, to be prayed for because she had um, scoliosis. And I laid my hands on her spine and prayed for her. And I felt her, she didn't feel it, but I felt her spine move under my hand. I mean, I just... I just felt the bones going like this, and she was healed, okay? That was years ago. The other time was when I, um, Mary had had a number of surgeries and was suffering from a lot of scar tissue, just pain all the time. And uh, um, I, I laid my hands on her, and I felt something go out of my hands. She was healed. On Sunday, last Sunday, when I prayed for you, Debbie, and I just asked Debbie about it, I said, did you feel yourself jolt? Now, I didn't feel, I didn't feel anything going out of my hands, but she, when I was praying for her, she simp her body just went like that. She doesn't remember that happening, but I felt it. And when we were done, I looked at Debbie and I said, God has healed you. I just knew it in my spirit and God has touched her and healed her, okay? Now, um, I'm not going to write a book, and I'm not going to start a traveling ministry, okay? 
this is just, but, but God, when, when God moves, it is a God thing. You cannot manufacture it. You can't make it happen. You can't force the hand of the Holy Spirit. He does it when He wants to and how He wants to, but He does it in a powerful and miraculous and wonderful way. And uh, so we're just going to continue to believe God. We're going to continue to pray for people. I don't know if anyone else that we prayed for last week was healed. I haven't heard anything from anyone. So it, it is just... It is up to God and the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and well, we just praise Him along with you, Debbie. And thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank You for bringing us together today. And as we look into Your Word, I pray that You will open our hearts and our minds to hear what You're trying to say to us. Help us not to just hear it, but let it, let it trickle down into our spirits and become a part of us so that we will be doers of your word and not simply hearers in jesus name amen we are going to be in first corinthians chapter eight this morning you'll say oh wait a minute we took a sidetrack at chapter six and you're going to skip chapter seven how perceptive of you (laughs) we are going we are going to skip chapter seven simply because so many of the things that are in chapter seven we talked about in the three weeks when we were talking about human sexuality. Uh, chapter 7 deals a great deal with <clears throat> whether you should get married or whether you shouldn't, or uh, the relationships between husbands and wives and things like that. And I just felt that it may be a bit redundant if I just preached on that again, having just preached on it uh, the last couple of weeks. So we're going to move into, uh, into chapter 8, Um, And we're also actually at one point going to jump into chapter 10 because in chapter 10 it talks about the same things that are in chapter 8. So we're going to pick up some of that and then we'll go back and we'll we'll catch it all. But uh, um, we're in in chapter 8 today and and, um, Paul is talking about, he begins his, Mike, okay. He begins chapter 8 by saying, Now about food sacrifice to idols. And apparently what the Corinthians had done was they had either written to him or they had asked him about whether or not they should eat food that had been sacrificed to idols. That was very common practice in Corinth. And... uh, and, of course, the meat then was oftentimes sold in the marketplace. And uh, so the, the people, the believers in the church there at Corinth asked Paul, well, you know, what do we do about that? So he begins, he says, now, about food sacrifice to idols. Now, I want to go back and I, wanna, I want you to understand that the idea of eating food that was sacrificed to idols was one of the fundamental things that the apostles discussed when they had their council at Jerusalem. All the apostles and Paul and and Barnabas and and they all came together in in Jerusalem because there were folks that were going out and saying to the Christians in Antioch and in other places, you're a Christian, you believe in Jesus, but unless you are circumcised, 
and keep the law of Moses, you can't really be saved. And so the, the elders, the, all the apostles, Peter and James and John and all the, elder, all the elders and the apostles, including Paul and, and Silas and some others, they got together and they began to talk about that. We, we, we're going to have a meeting about that because we want to think about what Jesus said, okay? Because Jesus wants us to teach them to obey everything that he had taught. Did, did Jesus teach that that, that that was something that had to be? So they got together and as they sat and they talked and they discussed things, a few of them stood up and talked and they came up with, this, with a solution. They came up with, and they decided that they were going to write a letter so that all of the people who were believers, the Gentile believers, they were, they're going to write a letter to them and say to them, these are the things that we think are, are important. Now I want you to hear the words that they wrote. These are the words that they wrote. With them they sent the following letter, the apostles and elders, your brothers, to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, greetings. We have heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. Well, imagine if you thought that you were a Christian, born again, follower of Jesus, and then somebody came and said, oh, wait a minute, you got to cut your body and keep the law, or you really aren't saved. Okay? So they were troubling their minds by what they said. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are sending Judas, not Judas Iscariot, and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. Okay? We're going we're to have these two guys say, yeah, this really was what they wrote. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit, that's always good, and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Okay? Basically, four or five things that they wanted them to stay away from, okay? Now we go, now we go back. We're back at, at 1 Corinthians, but you can see how the apostles got together and said, you know, food sacrificed to idols is one of the things that it would be good for you to avoid. Now if you go into, um, I believe it's chapter, uh, not the part that we're going to look at later, but into chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians, Paul equates the eating of food that has been offered to idols as a participation in the worship of demons. Now he says the food, the, the idol is nothing. Okay? You can make an idol out of one of these chairs. The, 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 an idol, an object, an um. The picture of a bird, and, and, and in Romans, Paul talks about, you know, you start making images of the created rather than worshiping the creator. So you can make an image of what you think God is like, and that piece of stone or wood is dead. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, it talks about people who will cut down a tree, and out of 
part of the tree, they'll make, they'll fashion a, a graven image and they'll bow down and worship it and then they'll use the other part of the tree to cook their food. Now he says, what part, why is the part of the tree that you made into an idol now become a god and the other part you, you burn up? He said, they're nothing. So Paul acknowledges that idols are nothing. The problem is, is the demonic forces behind the idol that draw people in to worship that object, that dead object, rather than the glorious Creator who made all things. Okay? So, he said there, there, is, there is that aspect of it. So he says, now he begins again, and he goes, now about food sacrifice to idols. We know that we all possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. The man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know, but the man who loves God is known by God. Now, then he goes on, so then about eating food sacrificed to idols, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world and that there is no one God, no God but one. We know that. We're sitting in here and we know that an idol is nothing. And we know that there's one God and there are no others. Okay? Even for even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods, small gods, and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. But not everyone knows this. So, here we are. We know, we know that, there is a, that there's only one God. We know that idols are nothing. We know that, that, there is, that we worship God and that we serve the Lord Jesus Christ. But not everybody knows this. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat such food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to an idol, and since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. Now, here's what he says to us in the beginning. He says, we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up. Love edifies. Love builds up. Now, how do we, how do we look at that? Well, I can take the knowledge that I have that there is but one God, that an idol is nothing, and you can use this in many, many different situations that we come into our lives. And we can say, I know that that's not a problem. Okay? Now, I came out of I came out of a church that that preached grace and emphasized legalism. 
okay? Preached grace and emphasized legalism. When I was growing up, there were the five biggies. The five, these were the five biggies. No smoking, no drinking, no dancing, no movies, no playing cards. Did I get that about right, Marilyn? Got that, got that about right? Yep. Those were the five biggies. No smoking, no drinking, no dancing, no movies, no card playing. Okay? Now they preached grace, but they emphasized legalism. They said these are the things that you can't do. So I never went to a school dance. I never went to my senior prom or junior prom. I never saw a movie till I was 18. Okay? My great-grandmother used to like to have, she taught me how to play gin rummy, and my parents had a fit. My father never drank and never smoked, and for that I'm eternally grateful to him because he set a good example for me. But, I have, I have come to the point now where I understand the, 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 the knowledge that I have of, of what, is, what is and what isn't, what's, what's important and what isn't. Okay? I can sit down and, and play rummy and I don't feel guilty about it. I can, I can go to a movie and I, and I don't feel guilty about it, although I think there are some movies that I, uh, and I do avoid, I just simply, we just simply don't go see them because of, of the content that's in them. It's not that I can't, uh, I mean, I've been married for 47 years, and if I go to a movie and all of a sudden there's two people on the screen and they're, you know, I mean, it's not like I'm going to fall over. I mean, I know what that's all about. Hello? I mean, I do. But that doesn't mean I have to watch it. It doesn't mean I have to fill my mind with it. I don't have to fill my mind with junk and garbage. Garbage in, garbage out. Okay? Can I, can I dance? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not that, I, not that I shouldn't. It's I can't dance. <laughs> okay? So, but my, my, here's my point. I have the knowledge, I have the knowledge that I, can, that I can do those things, but the question is, should I do those things? Okay? That's the question. The question is not, can I do that? Am I able to? Am I permitted to, to do those things? The question is, should I do those things? That's what I have to ask myself. It's because here, he uses the meat sacrificed to idols, and he said, some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they, they're such new Christians, they just came out of this idolatry. The idea of, of worshiping an idol is something that's still very, very fresh in their minds. And he said, and I've gotta, we've got to take that into consideration that if you eat the, such food, they 
think it is of having been sacrificed to an idol, and since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. Their conscience defiled. Wrong way. But food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat, and no better if we do. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak. Now, I want you to keep that idea of a stumbling block in front of you because we're going to hear that a couple of more times in some of the verses that we look at. For if anyone with a weak conscience sees you who have this knowledge, see, you have the knowledge that it's okay. There's nothing to this. You have the knowledge. If anyone with a weak conscience sees you who have this knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't he be emboldened to eat what has been sacrificed to idols? You see? So this weak brother, for whom Christ died, is destroyed. I mean, it's strong language, folks. Is destroyed by your knowledge. See, knowledge puffs up. Knowledge says, I can do this. Knowledge says, it's okay for me. But love says, love says knowledge says, it's okay to do this. Love says, should I do it? Knowledge says, it's okay to do it. Love says, should I do it? When you sin against your brothers in this way, and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again. I swung. So that I will not cause him to fall. Now, I want, we're going to look at something else in just a minute, but I, here, here's what I want to tell you. We have oft talked about this and I hope that you'll just I hope you'll just love me when I'm done here because I'm going to be I'm going to be frank I know I'm Larry but I'm going to be frank okay alright we have often talked about this church being a hospital where where people who are who are sick Spiritually sick. Spiritually sick. Dying. The Bible calls them dead in their trespasses and sin. These people are going to come in, into our doors. We're going to invite them. They're going to, they're going to come in. And many times, what they are, are, what they are dealing with are the things that you're talking about it being okay to do. See, your knowledge, your knowledge, knowledge puffs up. Knowledge says, it's okay for me to do this. Love says, should I? See, one of, one of the biggest ministries that we have in this church right now is the Transitional Center. Do you know that many of those girls that are in that transitional center are suffering and have been dealing with and are in there 
because of the addictions that they had before they went into prison. Many of them were addicted to alcohol. Many of them were addicted to drugs. And that addiction got in the way of their life to the point that they ended up in prison and now they have been brought out of prison and they are in a, in a center where they are being transitioned back into society. Many of them, most of them, have found the Lord in prison. Many of them are now trying to learn how to walk with Him and to serve Him. Listen to me. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Because I'm going to tell you something. All they have to do is look on Facebook and look at some of these other places and they see you with doing what you have knowledge of that it's okay to do for you. And they look at you and they go, well, if they're doing it, why can't I? And we will put them right back into the mess they were in before they ever went into prison. And that is not living in love. That is being selfish. And we are sinning against Christ if we do that. And, we, and that brother falls in there, that sister falls into sin. I'm going to tell you something. We ought to be like Paul and we will say, if what I'm doing causes a brother to fall, I will never do it again. Because I'm living in love and I'm not living in just the knowledge that it's okay. That's what it means to live in community. That's what it means to live in with, with a group of people where some are mature and others are mature. Listen, folks, I'm going to tell you something. You can, do, you can do anything you want in front of me. I won't be offended. I will not be offended. You can't make me think any more or less of you than I already do. I already love every one of you. You can't offend me because offending is a choice. And I'm just going to choose not to be offended. Because here's how I feel about it. We're all going to stand before God one day and we're going to give an account of what we did. I'm going to stand there and so are you. I'm more worried about what I'm doing than what you're doing. You won't offend me. And if you do offend me, I've got a problem. Because most of you in here, not every one of you, not every one of you, but most of you in here, I've been, I've been walking in this way a whole lot longer than you have. And I'm a whole lot... I'm, I'm to back that up. And, I, and because of that, I should be more mature in the faith than most of you are. So if someone of lesser maturity offends me spiritually, the problem is me, not them. I shouldn't be offended. And I won't be. But that doesn't mean that a weaker Christian, a younger Christian, a newer Christian won't be offended by what you do. What you do in the privacy of your own home is your own business. But please be careful what you advertise. Please be careful what you advertise. Because it sends the wrong message to the wrong people we could have a brother or sister fall flat on their face 
and be back into the addiction they had before simply because we had the knowledge, but we weren't living in love. We could do it, but that doesn't mean we should do it. Listen to what Paul, he, he relates this same thing in Romans. In Romans chapter 14. Listen to what he says in Romans. <clears throat> Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block, there's that phrase again, or obstacle in your brother's way. And as one who is in the Lord Jesus, I am fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it is unclean. See? Whatever is not of faith is sin, the Bible says. Paul writes that a little bit later. If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy your brother for whom Christ died. Second time we heard that. Do not allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. How insignificant is food in the eternal scope of things when it comes to an individual's eternal soul. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. <clears throat> now, in 1 Corinthians 10, he addresses this again. Everything is permissible, but not everything's beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. When, when, we begin to, when we begin to look at the things that we do and we ask the question, how is this going to impact someone else? I want you to think about this. And I'm going to use, uh, I'm going to use my, a uh, uh, couple of my grandkids. Okay? Jake's sitting back there. He just turned 16 a couple weeks ago. Hannah's 14. Lauren, is it, what are you, 18, Lauren? You're 19? No, you're not. You, no, no, you're not. You can't be 19. You can't be 19. Because that makes me a year older than what I thought. <laughs> okay, Lauren is 19. According to medical science, if you will, Their ability, okay, their ability to make good decisions is still developing. That doesn't mean it hasn't developed. It doesn't mean that they can't make good decisions. It means that their, their, uh, the, the optimum, the full, the full development of their, of their, their brain and their, their level of maturity and everything to make good decisions doesn't peak out till about 25. So there, Jake's like nine years short, and, and you know, 
Hannah's like 11 years short, and Lauren, you're just six years away. Okay. So, but it doesn't mean they can't make good decisions, but it hasn't fully developed. So now, <clears throat> what happens? You see, my actions, my actions, and the way I make decisions, and what I decide to do, impacts at least Hannah and Jake because they, they're, they see me all the time. They are around me. The, dis, the way I make decisions and the decisions that I make impacts them. It impacts how they're going to develop. It impacts what they're gonna, how they're going to decide. And not just me, their grandmother, their parents, all everything. They're, they're seeing people make decisions, whether they're good or bad, and that is impactful to them. You see how important it is that, that we be asking ourselves, can I do this? Sure, I can do this. Should I do this? Maybe not. Because what I'm doing could negatively impact my grandchildren. Or your children. Or, or your grandchildren. Do you, do you understand that it's not just... Paul's just telling us here, we have to start asking ourselves, how is this going to impact other people? You say, that's stifling. I don't know, that's very restrictive. When you came, in, when you came to Christ, well, listen to me, hear me out. When you came to Christ, and you decided you wanted to be a follower of Christ, Okay, you decided I'm going to be a follower of Christ. Now, in order to be a follower of Christ, <clears throat> uh, you have to follow him. And what did he say? He said, if anyone will come after me, he must deny himself. If anyone would come after me, Jesus said, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Who was the great example of denying himself? Jesus. He did what was good for others, not good for himself. Nobody should seek his own good but the good of others. Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience, for the earth, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If you go to the meat, and, and again, he's just using this as an example because that was their question, the principle here. He said, you can go into the meat market and buy some meat. Don't ask any questions. Don't ask any questions. Buy it and eat it in good conscience. The earth's the Lord's and everything in it. If some unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever's put before you without raising questions of conscience. Just go. But if anyone says to you, this, here's a nice big juicy T-bone. You guys go to Longhorn later today. And the... I know where you're going. 
and the waiter sets your steak down in front of you and goes, oh, by the way, this was sacrificed to an idol. You say, take it back. Give me a salad. That's what he said. This has been offered, to, but then do not eat it, both for the sake of the man who told you and for conscience' sake. The other man's conscience, I mean, not yours. For why should my freedom be judged by another's conscience? If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everybody in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. It's one thing for us, and I, and I got to tell you, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. I got to, let me just do, it's a wonderful thing to come out of the bondage of legalism. It is, it is freeing to know that, that as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if, if I want to take my wife out dancing, Lord help us. But if I want to do that, I can. And if a, and if a bunch of us guys want to get together and... and for just for fun, sit down and play Texas Hold'em. It's okay. The entertainment. If I want to go to a movie and just relax and be entertained, it's okay. If you want to have a glass of wine in your house, it's okay. If you want to have a... If you want to have a glass of wine in, in a restaurant, think, just think about what, just look around and say, is this, is this something I should, see, your knowledge says, man, there's nothing wrong with this. Your knowledge says, your knowledge says there's nothing wrong with this. Now, I, I have an advantage, I shouldn't say an advantage, but I have, I have something where you, you just have to understand I, I hate the taste of alcohol, okay? I, that, that, to me, that is a blessing rather than a curse. I just hate it. I go to a wedding and they offer a champagne to, to, to drink for a toast and, and I'll, I'll take it and I'll put it up to my lips and I'll take a sip and the taste is with me the rest of the night. I hate it. It's no temptation to me. I've never even tasted a beer. I can't get past the smell in my nose. I smell it, and I just, it, it just makes me want to wrench. 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 <laughs> wrench. <laughs> makes me want to fix my car. <laughs> I'm you see, and I'm, not, and I'm not saying, I'm just saying, I just, I, there's, no, there's no temptation there what, for me whatsoever. And, and so if, you know, we go, you know, we go out to eat somewhere, and you, and you want to have a glass of wine, you're not going to offend me as long as my sitting there drinking water won't offend you. Because that's all I drink. Okay? It's all I like. I don't drink sodas. I don't drink, I don't drink tea. I very rarely drink coffee. 
I drink club, my, man, when I'm living on the edge, I'm drinking club soda with lime. That's my, that's my edge, man. That's where I'm on my edge. And I'm just, I'm just telling you, I'm not saying that in a, in a braggadocious way. I'm simply saying that, that think about what you're doing. You can say it's okay to go to, it's okay to, go to a movie. What if, you go to a, what if you go to a movie and there are other folks watching you go into the movie? Which movie are you going to see? Suppose one of the young people sees you go in and say, oh, well, that, must, that movie must be okay. You see what I'm saying? We have knowledge. But if we're just acting out of knowledge, we're going to be selfish. If we're acting out of love, we're going to say, how will what I do impact my brothers or sisters? How will it impact unsaved people who know me? How will it, how, what will it do? Will it draw them to Christ? Or will it make them think that what they're doing is simply okay, simply because I'm doing it? We could, we could talk about language. The Bible says don't use the name of the Lord, your God's name in vain. But there are a lot of words out there that the world considers. The world uses them and they come across as swear, we call them swear words. Now, they're not using the name of the Lord in vain, but they're, they're using these certain, these certain words. Okay? And there's, there's nothing intrinsically wrong with the word. But if you and I as Christians use them, then the world just looks at us and says, well, why are you different? Why are you different? Because I'm going to tell you something. You, the first impression people have of you is what comes out of your mouth. They may look and see what you look like, but their first impression of you is what comes out of your mouth. You understand? We have the knowledge, but are we operating in love? And love will always cause us to ask the question, should I? Not can I? Let us go and be shining examples of what it means to know Jesus to those all around us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the help that your word is to us to, to see how to live. Thank you for the freedom that comes in knowing Jesus. Thank you for the freedom that we have to be, to have the bonds of legalism off our backs. That we have the knowledge that these things are permissible. But they're not always beneficial, especially to others, sometimes even to ourselves. So in love, Lord, help us to ask the question, should I? Rather than can I? So Lord, I just pray that you will help us as believers to begin to operate in the love of Jesus.
where it's necessary to willingly deny ourselves so that others can be lifted up and edified. Thank you, Father. We pray today, Lord, for the ministries that you have given to this church, and we want to pray for our brother Art, for Gina, the rest of the team that's out in the ministry today, uh, ministering in prison. We just ask, Lord, that you will uh, just lift them up and anoint them to, uh, to minister there, and as your spirit works in the lives and the hearts of those who are listening. We pray for the transitional center, Lord, and we know that there is talk that the transitional center may be closed. And we just continue to pray, Lord, that it will not close, but they will see the value of it. Beyond the monetary cost, they will see the value that it has in the lives of these girls. And so we continue to pray that not a single girl will ever leave that place without knowing you as their Lord and Savior. We pray for our missionaries, for Todd and Shelley Marks, and for Chris Garris. Bless them, Lord. Give them many, many opportunities to share about the resurrected Lord. We thank you for Love Serves and for the ministry that they are doing in the Dominican. And even as they begin to plan to bring that, that same concept to other third world countries and even into the United States, Lord, we just pray that you would give them wisdom to see how that model will work in these other places. We pray for the upcoming missions trips, and Lord, we just pray you continue to open doors for others to be joined and be a part of that trip. And then we pray for our daycare, and we thank you for how you've been blessing it and using it to minister to families and to, to children each and every day. We pray for those who will be traveling this week um, with the conference coming up on Friday and Saturday. We pray for Gina and for Linda as they travel uh, up to Atlanta. We pray for Mary and I as we travel there as well. And we just pray for safety on, on the road. Now I just pray that you will go with us. Help us to be ever mindful that the actions that we take, there are others watching us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.